Resilience research has been going on for decades and surged after World War II. With the focus on resilience after crises, we can better understand what makes us vulnerable or strong when faced with adversity. We have been deep in this global pandemic that has tested the resilience of all areas of our lives, from finances, relationships, health, coping, to even just facing ourselves. We have been confronted. There is no better time to midwife our sacred stories as anecdotal evidence to uncover resilience strategies in the studies of our lives. Storytelling transforms polarization to compassion. A story opens hearts, empowers, and inspires. It sparks hope and deepens wisdom. We are the hypothesis, the research, and the answer. Shared stories are the universal medicine in our journey toward collective optimal resilience. I bring to you the I Am Resilient podcast. The I Am Resilient podcast brings you stories of resilience, research, and insights from across the globe with the goal to educate people about resilience so that they can cultivate resilience consciously and overcome life's challenges to live with meaning, purpose, and strength. Welcome to the podcast. Okay, Brianna, welcome to the I Am Resilient podcast. So we are here today. Um, I know Brianna as the founder of Homecoming. Brianna, but for those who don't know you or don't yet know Homecoming, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about Homecoming and what brought you to, um, to open it up? Yes. Hi. Thank you for having me so much, Nikina. This is amazing. Such an honor. Um, I'm Brianna. And yeah, we just launched Homecoming earlier this year. And it's really out of my own personal development journey in getting here. Um, and it, it's sort of a, it, I'm calling it a hub for pregnancy and motherhood. Um, but right now we, we offer digital uh, yoga breathwork and meditation for pregnancy and then eventually we'll be moving into um, postpartum motherhood and eventually just womanhood in general it really is a call back to ourselves our internal knowings and really just remembering you know us and who we are and so it's kind of this project that took shape last year um, where a lot of growth happened I think for a lot of people and it's really something that I'm I've made so many beautiful connections with and I'm just so excited to, to watch it blossom it's um it's been quite a journey wow it is really beautiful to hear you talk about it because I've seen the beauty of it in you know online and on the platform and just to hear your words um I think they definitely match what is there to offer so you obviously know a lot about the resilience of people in your community because you've reached out to fill this gap with homecoming and I wanted to ask you, um, as the first question, what do you think makes people resilient? 
I think, well, it's interesting. I was thinking about this and resilience is something that you have really sparked like my own desire in learning more about that, but in sort of how it sort of fits in as a, you know, as a theme within the work that I do. And I think what makes people resilient is, I mean, in my experience, I want to say like a, a, an out of necessity kind of resilience is kind of a human reaction, I believe, um, to some of the things that happen in our lives. But the way in which we find resilience um, is really an internal journey. And I think out of hope and people really gaining awareness in, you know, the way that they want to move forward and the way they want to experience and enjoy life, I guess, if that Mm. makes sense. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's quite a, I'm trying to like peel apart the layers of like, what does resilience actually mean to me? And it's such a, Mm. it's quite a, quite a big, beautiful word. And I love the work that you do um, because it is forcing me to dig a little deeper, which is really the theme of my life in the last you know, a couple of years. So, wow. yeah. You sparked, um, a, you know, a word, I don't know if it's been mentioned or if it hasn't, it hasn't been many times, but hope. And mm-hmm. it reminds me of um, Jane Goodall coming out of the woodwork. She's been so prominent on social media these days on people's podcasts. And she really shares hope for the future. And she shares her vision after spending time in nature, you know, researching, mm-hmm. um, and I really, I really love the way you bring that in because it is an, a reaction to stress and to the things that we are challenged by in our lives. But it does require this, this glimmer of something more to push through, something more to get to if we, if we use tools and if we foster this awareness and we, we work through it. So I really think that's an important aspect of resilience. So I'm, mm. I'm really grateful that you brought that in. Thank you for that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, it's one of those things I think with, um, you know, as human beings, we really, you know, we, if we're going through something challenging and, and hard and sort of need to find, you know, that hope within it, I think we have a tendency to be able to at least see beyond, you know, what's right in front of us and then find that resilience and know that, you know, we are, we are strong, we are capable, we can move through hard times, we can, um, you know, we can come out, there is another outcome at some point. So I think that that's really important to highlight too, um, you know, whether it's no matter what anybody's going through, that there is, we have a tendency to, I guess, grasp onto hope I guess at the end of the day yeah Mm, yeah and to name it it almost brings importance to it and it almost allows us to prioritize it in a new way Um, Mm. you know by by just naming something positive and keeping our awareness on something that can anchor us into a more positive place I think is it's so therapeutic and so necessary like you said Um, Mm. so what is your greatest tool for resilience if you have one yeah, I mean, it's it's really morphed over the years, but I would say my greatest tool is my connection to myself and really understanding what makes me feel strong, what makes me feel safe. I think that there's a sense of safety that we um, are missing within ourselves, within our society um, currently. Mm. And for me to really hone in that safety 
feel good in my body, understand what works for me and me as an individual is really my biggest tool for resilience because what where a lot of my work comes from uh, is this idea of our world is very focused on the external and what other people think, what other people are doing, what other people have researched, what other people um, have, have, I guess, formed their own thoughts on. And I really feel a deep calling to allow people or hold space for people to connect back to themselves as well. Mm. Because I think in doing that, which is beautiful, there's so much incredible research and information out there. Uh, that's easy to access but at the same time I think we've lost a feeling of safety within ourselves and um, sort of lost a trust within ourselves where we can always come back to and that's kind of the idea of of homecoming it's about coming home to yourself and really finding that um, strength and ability within so I would say yeah my biggest tool would be self-connection for sure wow you know, you, you bring up so many important points, but one of the ones that resonates with me is the idea that we outsource a lot of things in our lives. Like we outsource our information and our care and we outsource, you know, a lot of our opinions as well. Mm-hmm. But by tuning into that safety, we can tune into our own intuition. And I'm just wondering if you have certain practices that bring you back to that safe place. Um and they may be changing over over time or, you know, over your lifespan. But there are, are there any that you have really anchored into? Yeah, that's a good, I'm glad you said that because I, I'm smiling going, yeah, they change all the time. But that's, uh. that's sort of a personal preference for me. But um, what really works is literally for me is just to just to take time away um, from my phone, from people to just really find alone time so that I can actually hear myself and Mm. so what that looks like in terms of a daily practice for me is I this doesn't always happen but I try and get up before my house um, and you know make myself a cacao or a coffee or something that feels really good light a candle and literally just sit in silence and enjoy uh, my own company and find safety in that because yeah, that, that just feels really good for me. And it helps me kind of anchor myself in the day. And it also gives me an opportunity to just hear myself. Mm-hmm. And it's a simple thing to do. It doesn't have to be done. You know, you could do it at any time. Um, but it really is, for me, has been such a life-changing practice. And it takes like 10 minutes some days. Some days I take a little longer if it feels good. But yeah, just literally taking some time alone with my own thoughts and even if it feels uncomfortable, because it used to feel really uncomfortable to just sit by myself. Yeah. Um, and I know that a lot of people can feel a lot of discomfort in that um, and brings up, you know, a little bit of anxiety or just, you know, wanting to find someone else to to share that time with. Mm. And so to take those moments and just notice the discomfort, if there is any, lean into it, explore it. And you know, try again the next day too. It's just, I find that that's so important when we, it's almost like we're afraid to spend time with ourselves Mm. uh, because we've put so much trust in the external. Um, So yeah, for me, that's probably my biggest daily practice is to just find some time for me. Wow. And I have to say, this is a recurring theme on the podcast. Um, 
for men and women, for everyone to find time to truly unplug. And it's mm-hmm. almost like these mini retreats that we need to take. And, mm-hmm. and it takes a conscious awareness and protection of that time. Like you said, you wake up in the morning and sometimes it has to be before other people because um, it's so easy to get swept up in our roles and responsibilities. And there was somebody else on the podcast who suggested lying on the floor and covering up in a blanket and specifically covering up the eyes. Um, Because Mm -hmm. when we see external, we, our mind goes external. And so I think you have, yeah, pinpointed something that is so important and that we can do every day um, if we allow ourselves to protect a little bit of time. And I'm just wondering, (laughs) this might be very specific for you and it might be changing a lot, but what amount of time do you find is optimal? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I love the way that you meant that you talked about it as in sort of like a mini retreat. I think that is such a, a beautiful visual to just think about how to build that into your day. For me, it's I, I don't like to take a lot of time to do it. So maybe, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes um, longer can be better some days, but it really depends on how I'm feeling in the day too and how much space I actually have in the day. So I try and take a few minutes in the morning Uh, usually that works out to be about I'm going to say 15 to 20 minutes of just sometimes I'll journal sometimes I'll just sit with my thoughts and just notice them and then I try and also take a few minutes before bed as well and that's usually much shorter like two or three minutes to just kind of ground my energy before I get into bed for the day and kind of let the day go but yeah it doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be long it doesn't have to be long at all it's really just a conscious awareness of you know, where is my, where are my thoughts? Where is my energy? And how can I pull that back a little bit to myself? Mm, Wow. I'm sure for you now that you've been practicing this a little while, it's becoming more efficient as well. But I'm sure when, when things are beginning, it's probably easy to still remain swept up in that external world. Oh yeah. I would say like, absolutely. As you're saying that I'm going, yeah, there was a time in my life where I was, I was kind of trying to do the do these practices, you know, as if I thought they should, and I was using the external world as, you know, examples of, okay, well, other people are journaling every day. And so now I'm going to journal every day and see what that feels and or not even see how that feels. I'm just going to do that. And that's going to be my practice. And I was trying to, I was kind of pulling all of these practices from all over the place. And I did that for for years, really, until, (laughs) until I was like, hey, I can choose what actually feels good to me. And it's okay, if, if it doesn't, you know, line up with what these people are posting, you know, it feels there was a lot of time that I was really, you know, borrowing from what other people were doing, thinking that that is what I should do too without but what was interesting is you're kind of bypassing the point of it all, which is what's inside and bringing it back in. Mm. And so when I finally (laughs) made that switch, and I was like, Oh, so I'm still, I'm trying to do all this internal work, trying to do all this internal development, when really, all along, all I needed to do was just sit with myself and like, try things here and there for sure. Sometimes journaling does feel really good. But I've really learned that I'm not a consistent person. I've learned that, um, you know, I thrive a little bit better on just in the moment going asking myself, you know, what's going to feel good for me right now. And some days that's, you know, nourishment in terms of like a, a nice warm something to drink. Sometimes that's a little walk outside. And sometimes that's a stretch, some movement, and sometimes that's journaling as well. But yeah, I definitely, 
had a it was it was a journey and I think it I mean it still is I haven't perfected it by any means but I'm allowing it to flow now which for me feels very real and truthful Mm, you know it's so funny as you say that I think about the words self-care and there's you know there was this movement of self-care and then there was this movement of anti-self-care almost Mm. like don't do all of those things that are material that that people say you need to do and I think the point of all of that was getting to exactly what you're saying but I think the point you know kind of got missed because in a way self-care is giving ourselves the genuine care that we need Mm. which is requires attunement with the self and and asking you know how much time do I need and what would I like to drink Mm -hmm. and do I need to be still or do I need to move Um, and I think that's so beautiful to just really honor whatever self-care looks like and to bypass what it should be to somebody else or to even to the ego in that moment and it sounds like you've done that but it it took time. And I think a lot of people are on different stages of this journey of recognizing what their self-care will be in the moment. So having that permission and that alone time as well, I think is a very potent um, remedy for what's going on in the world right now. Mm-hmm. And to really find your inner voice and find your inner needs. Yeah. So thank you for that. No, I absolutely um as you're saying that, I'm just thinking this, this self-care kind of movement really does stem from our busy culture and how we're just not taking care of ourselves. So then we're like, oh, okay, well, now we have to take care of ourselves. Let's pivot. Let's, you know, let's, let's add this in here. Let's add this into our already busy days. Mm. But then when you think about it in that way, it really becomes another task on our list rather than the practice of tuning into the self, which when you think about the feelings of what that is, it's either like, oh, I've got to build in my self-care today. So I'm going to, you know, do all these things that this self-care movement has told me I should be doing now, rather than, you know, taking just a few minutes to just tune in and figure out, okay, what feels good for me today. And what that does is actually softens the energy and allows you to, you know, authentically connect to what you need rather than trying to do something else. Um, that perhaps might be outside of that. So it's just, it's a different, it's a little bit of a subtler approach to just, you know, the same, the same outcome, I guess, in terms of you're well looked after, but at the end of the day, you know, we're really following what feels good to us versus, you know, what, what the movement is telling us. Wow. Yeah, Brianna, you know, it's so, it's so interesting because this can be applied Um, individually, but it can also be applied to a lot of the global issues. You know, if we, if we look at a problem, even resilience, um, when we research resilience, and we look at what's happening in workplaces, there are many programs being offered about resilience. And a lot of it um, includes mindfulness and uh, moving the body and taking care of the self. Um, But, you know, instead of instead of taking a course in a workplace, sometimes what needs to happen is we need to attune to what is actually making people called to be resilient and what's actually bringing the challenge 
that's requiring their resilience? Mm-hmm. And can we ask these people and these collectives what they actually need to be resilient? And maybe it's not a program, maybe it's a systems change, mm-hmm. and or maybe mm-hmm. it's a, a pause and uh, communication and uh, some upstream thinking. But yeah, you really, by, by attuning to what actually is needed, like you said, it softens the energy and it prevents us from taking unnecessary action. And unnecessary action can be um, actually destructive if we go too far. Like we talked about all of those self-care regimes. You know, some people get into debt because they're, they're taking so many programs and they're doing so many things and seeing so many people. Um, and really what they need to do is tune into themselves. So I really, I really value you saying that and just encouraging people to take a little bit of time, even if it's just 10 to 15 minutes or, you know, three minutes before bed. Um, Mm -hmm. That's really potent. So the third question I usually ask people is um, if you have your own resilience story, if you, or if you'd be willing to share a story about resilience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say my biggest, um, story of resilience would just be my journey into motherhood, which happened in 2019. And I had no idea what I was getting into. And I had no idea what that was going to look like. And I had no idea how deeply and profoundly it would change me and rock my world. And in the most intense, yet beautiful way. And I think for me, that's where everything kind of changed. And I was able to shift from the external to the internal and really starting to understand like, okay, um, this is, you know, what I was doing before was not really working. I have, it's not even necessarily about having another being to look after, but it was really about this internal change in me. It's like, it's like I had my daughter and my body switched and was like, okay, back to where you were supposed to be. And it was, it was this very intense, emotional, beautiful time. Um, But I would say it took a number of years until she's going to be three. And so I would say partway through last year, I was kind of like, okay, I feel comfortable now. Like I feel, I get where this is going. I can feel how this is happening. And for me, really the resilience that I found in that journey was my purpose and Mm. in moving towards that. And part of my purpose I realized is motherhood, which was not at all on my radar. It was not something I necessarily needed or wanted. Yeah, it was such a, it was an, but again, I think that was, that's a product of me, my, my previous me that was really, kind of trying to fit into this mold of what she kind of thought she wanted to be Mm. versus what is actually my soul telling me and what where am I being led and and so I'm just really grateful that my daughter decided to join me because she really did um, shift me back to where I feel the most at ease the most peaceful and the most like myself wow yeah it's just been such an incredible journey and I know we'll talk to lots of moms and we hear that it's a massive transition and a massive transformation and so that's why I love hearing these stories because it's almost like it's almost like we've been living in this sort of uh, commercialized world, capitalistic world, and then we have our children and we're kind of like brought back to this like primal biological um, innate place within ourselves where we're like, 
oh, I don't like, I, I didn't really know that person before. Wow. Um, yeah. So I would say that's my, that's my biggest story of resilience that I'll, I just am so grateful for. And um, I'm just like continuing to move through, but like really seeing the, the journey there. Wow. That is, really profound and really exciting and encouraging and just so magical on so many levels. I'm just wondering, Brianna, like before you had your daughter, did you feel that you're, you were off track from what your soul wanted or did you feel like you were on the right path? Um, and it could have been perhaps conditioning, like you said, that led mm-hmm. you to a place that made you think you didn't want kids. Um, but I'm just curious, like that shift in feeling before you had her, did you sense anything was off? Oh, that's such a good question. You know, I, I think I was so, I wouldn't say I sensed anything was off, but nothing was working. Like Mm. I was chasing um, success and money and, you know, really trying to be this entrepreneurial person that I thought I wanted to be. Um, But yeah, just like nothing was working. I was, there was a lot of roadblocks. It wasn't, it wasn't like not major, you know, I've always had good people in my life, lots of support and I've always kind of been fine, but I, you know, it was just, it wasn't working. I kept butting up against things. Like even in work settings, I would, I would have relationship kind of issues which I'd never really experienced before like I would be not getting along with my boss which I would always I was so confused at that because I was always such a people pleaser and so it was just this interesting dynamic of like hey I'm doing what I was supposed to do like theoretically this is the job I wanted this is the life I wanted but it it just felt hard it felt really hard like Mm. just it, it felt like I was kind of always moving uphill and I would always tell myself you know I feel you know it's going to happen I'm almost there you know it's okay just a little further it's because that's what we hear that all the time too but then as soon as I uh, got pregnant it was like my my brain changed and and our brains do rewire in pregnancy it's so fascinating but it was almost Mm -hmm. just like everything else fell away and I didn't care anymore like I just I didn't care so much anymore and it, from the outside, it was like, okay, so my, I ended up, I was, I had to move because uh, my husband, my now husband, um, we were, I was on the mainland and he was in, uh, on the island, but so I moved over here and, but then as soon as she arrived and I was able to like sink into this new role that actually felt good, like internally the feeling softened so immensely And I felt like I didn't need to push so hard anymore. I didn't need to try so hard anymore. And um, I would say the last few months I've kind of seen the, the culmination, the fruition of that come, come to me, which has just been really beautiful to witness and go, Oh, (laughs) Mm. no, but yeah, I didn't feel that it was particularly wrong. It just didn't feel as easy as it feels now, if that makes sense. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, I think sometimes when we are in alignment with our integrity, the rest sort of softens, like we're, Mm -hmm. you know, we're upright, and we know who we are, and we can soften all that needs to fall away. But it's almost like when we're incongruent with something, even if we can't name what it is, 
there's a sense of almost protecting the ego or, or like you said, conditional pushing um, to try to make something work, thinking that just around the corner, there will be that softening, you know, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll have that big break, we'll, we'll found that company. Um, but what I think is really interesting is that when you are able to attune to yourself and soften this energy and really become in alignment with who you are and, and express and embrace your motherhood, you actually founded a company <laughs> and you actually um, created this homecoming, this space for people to also come back to their soft energy and alignment with themselves. And I know a lot of women who who are feeling that pressure in the workplace, especially, and then have children and, and it becomes, you know, a struggle of how can I maintain this soft mothering energy that I'm, I'm part of and how can I bring this, this hardness, um, this kind of business spirit, this, Mm -hmm. I want to say masculine, we all have masculine and feminine in in us, but it feels more masculine when I talk about it, that masculine energy, bring that into the workplace. But really, I see this shift happening. And you're such a pioneer in your field, you're, you're breaking the ground by bringing this softness to, to the business world and showing other people that it's okay to do that as well. And I just think the way everything has unfolded is, just as it needs to be. And I think hearing the story of you become a mother and and unlock that in yourself is so profound and very inspiring. Wow, thank you. Like your words just, I'm, I'm like smiling, crying over here. <laughs> so, no, it's just so nice because, you know, it, it's, it does feel like it's been a, a hard journey, but when you're talking about this softness, bringing that into the business and, and just business in general, and I, I feel... Uh, I mean, I'm also, I also do Reiki and I just want to sort of relate this to, um, you know, what I found in that practice working with women and mothers and um, just wellness in general, but there seems to be a, like there, we live in such a masculine world um, and you're right. We do have masculine and feminine within both of us or all of us. Um, but we are so as women, so disconnected from, our feminine energy, we don't really know how to work with it or use it or tap into it. And it's a really beautiful thing to kind of see that coming forward in our world now. And I think uh, when I did launch Homecoming, which I started it in October last year, but it launched in January. But I always said since the beginning, like it's always, I've had a few businesses in the past, but it's felt so like just not aligned, I guess, at the end of the day. Uh, And it does feel soft. It does feel like I had somebody ask me yesterday and just go, oh, wow, you must be so busy. You're growing a baby. You're growing a business. This is crazy. And I I, I thought about it and I was like, actually, I have a lot of space to rest and I feel really good. And, you know, maybe I could work a little harder per se, but it feels good with, you know, things things are flowing and it feels right um and it's just this really interesting place to be in that I've I never thought I'd be in I always thought business would be hard I always thought it would be you know long hours I always thought it would be all of these things and what I'm really allowing to happen now is just allowing things to flow without me having to force them and I'm finding so much more beauty in that like just for example our connection um 
and just some of the pieces that have come together. You know, I've, it's just, it's just been a really interesting journey. And the more I tap into that sort of feminine flowy, soft energy, it's just like incredible how much more things feel at ease. Anyway, it's just, I don't know. It's just, it's such a, a, a beautiful place to be where it could be really hard and I could make it harder for sure. I could, um, but it doesn't feel like it needs to be. Wow. Absolutely. And I think by you bringing voice to that, you're giving other people the permission to do the same thing. And you're also, you're also pivoting the business um, field in a lot of ways because things don't have to be that hard, you know, mm-hmm. even I think it's that way in so much of our society, we have this idea that, okay, if you're a CEO, and you own a business, you have to be stressed out, and you have to be rushing around. And you have to be focused on these things, even the word business makes me cringe a little bit. Um, <laughs> but when you're in alignment with yourself, you can make things the way you want them to be. And people People are drawn into other people who are in alignment because they know that their their outcomes and their impacts are are true and they're honest and they're intentional. But if somebody's rushing around doing something that's out of alignment, I think they're more likely to make mistakes with cons- consequences that they can't predict um, because it's just outside of who they are or outside of their um, toolbox or what they're used to. So I just want to say, continue following your heart and your soul and just allowing things to emerge because it shows other people that this is a possibility. And I think, um, and I see things changing, you know, in business and just in the world over time. And it's more people like you that are needed to shine that light and shine it bright. So thank you. Thank you. Wow. And, um, Brianna, this might tie into the second question that I asked, but when and how were you drawn to practice resilience? I think it was just by default. I, like I said in the beginning, I, I, I hadn't really, you know, put a word to my journey, but I think resilience is a, is a really key piece to it. Um, and I think it kind of came out of, again, necessity and just moving through the way that life had you know, shown up for me and how I'd wanted to move forward in it. And I think you've kind of given me this word to name it, which is, which feels um, really aligned. And, but when it comes to, let's say my motherhood journey, it's just kind of, it's one of those things that we say this all the time too, like, oh, well, you just do it. You just get through it. But there really is a moment where you do find resilience within yourself and you do find the you know, maybe it's not the key or the answer or anything like that, but it certainly is a, an awareness that allows you to dig a little deeper and, you know, learn a little more about yourself and how you need to show up for yourself, how you want to show up for yourself. So um, yeah, for me, it was really out of, out of necessity, not something I necessarily uh, um, sought, but certainly Mm. I'm grateful that it came to me. Yeah. Yes, like so much of the darkness, it's not something we're necessarily asking for, but it is curriculum for us. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah. Um, oh, that's amazing. So, Brianna, what do you think the world needs right now to be more resilient? Mm, I think the world needs permission to 
make mistakes, be wrong, try things new, like permission to just find it within yourself. And I think that's not something we often give people, especially now, um, the, you know, the space to just do things the way they want to do them. We kind Mm -hmm. of put these conditions and um, needs on them, which, which I think we would find our resilience a lot sooner if we didn't, if we weren't trying to, you know, do it the way other people are doing it. So I think giving ourselves permission for sure. And also giving those around us um, just permission and space to do things that feel good to them and trusting them that they're doing what feels best for them. Mm, Permission. Yes. Wow. That is an amazing, yeah. An amazing statement. You know, it reminds me of watching a little kid um, try something for the first time. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the the less restrictions we put on them, the more likely they are to work through the process and find the solution sometimes. And I think that's really beautiful. I think it can go for us as adults as well. I love that comparison. I think about that a lot. Um, I mean, as a mother, but also just like, yeah, watching kids do something like they're going to figure it out eventually. It just might not be the way that we would have done it, you know, like, I think that that is something that would let's find joy and humor in, you know, people's willingness to try new things, because oftentimes our, our own need to change things or make something wrong or, you know, correct something really comes from our own insecurities or something within ourselves that you know, has been triggered uh, rather than what really is, you know, at the end of the day, they're going to figure it out. They just might do it in a different way. So I like that comparison a lot. Mm, Isn't that, yeah, that's very true. Well, Brianna, thank you so much. I honestly am so honored to have you on the podcast. I adore you as a human being and I just revere the work you're doing so much. I, I watch you online and I just, I think you're paving the ground for things that are spectacular to unfold in the future. So um, where can people find you online? I know you're on Instagram at homecoming. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can find me or, or we are at www.homecoming.com. Uh, that's probably the best way to find us. You can reach out to me directly, DM on Instagram um, or email at hello at homecoming.com. Uh, it's H-O-H-M coming.com. But um, yeah, it's we're really kind of building that right now, but yeah, you can find us. Those are the best places to find us. So Nikita, thank you so much. This has just been such an honor and I, I just love the work that you do and I'm constantly surprised and impressed and just enthralled with everything that you are oh. doing. So, Oh goodness. Well, we will definitely be in connection and collaboration for all of the listeners. Um, we will be collaborating together on different projects. So this is not the end, but until I talk to you next time, Brianna, thank you so much. Thank you. You've been listening to the I Am Resilient podcast. If you would like to get involved with I Am Resilient, use the hashtag I Am Resilient to tag your stories, tools, and practices on your Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Until next time, may you be well.